0: From 11FS, I'm Aidan Davis and this is Fintech Insider News. On today's show, Klarna gets a full banking license as it gears up to go beyond financing payments, four of Barclays former executives are charged with conspiracy to commit fraud during the bank's 2008 capital raising from Qatar, and five billion or two-thirds of the world's population now have a mobile phone, what are the ramifications of that? All this and more on this week's episode of Fintech Insider News. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the weekly joy that is Fintech Insider News. We are coming to you this week live, and we do mean live for those of you watching on Periscope this week, from the 11FS office at the wonderful WeWork London. As I've just said, yeah, we are live streaming today. It's a bit of a practice for Fintech Insider Live at Money 2020 next week. So if you're lucky enough to be in Copenhagen, get yourself there. Today on the show, we have the Fintech Insider originals. Simon Taylor. Hello. Jason Bates. Hello. Hello. David Breer. Hello. You see,
1: him? I actually waved there. Oh, like, played the waved already,
0: Jason. It's such, a, <laughs> it's such a crowd.
1: It's such a crowd, please. He launches two banks and he thinks
0: it's big time. <laughs> we are also honoured to have joining us today, Mariano Belinki, managing partner at Santando Innovations. Hello. And Jamie Campbell, head of awareness at BUD. That's me. Hi. Hello. Let's do some fintech Insider's news. Jason, kick us off with a story on TechCrunch about Klarna. Right? Mm. For a so, I
1: guess for those who don't know, uh, the Klarna are a Swedish unicorn, e commerce company, provide payment unicorn. services. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Swedish, one of the, I found out today, it's like Sweden has some pretty good unicorns like Spotify. Who, who does uh, Minecraft? Minecraft. Mojang. Yes, Mojang. Um, Klarna, it's like Sweden's kicking it for the size.
2: It's more unicorns per capita, is it?
1: I think it's so, than uh, anywhere. Um, so they're an e-commerce company, payment services, online storefronts. Uh, they pay stores the you know, the fee for the goods that uh, customers buy, and then they collect from customers. But that enables them to do some cool stuff like installments, payments on delivery. They've had 60 million customers, 70,000 merchants, and now they've got a banking license. It's Klarna Bank. Everyone's getting a banking license. So now they can offer payment cards, they can expand, they can really do some interesting things. And the CEO said, we have the tools to drive change in retail banking. We'll do this by providing uh, solutions that ensure a smooth, customer experience, help people streamline their financial lives and continue to support businesses by solving the complexity in handling payments. So there's some big words. It sounds like they're expanding beyond more than just we're going to take payments in, in some interesting ways
3: into retail financial services. I guess this is slightly different to one, you know, we've seen a few of these over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? People sort of, uh, We've been doing a thing and not necessarily profitable, and then we're now trying to find another area of, of revenue and moving into it. But these guys are kicking ass, right? Like They're hugely profitable in terms of what they're doing there. They're becoming sort of, you know, almost like a, a country infrastructure, the amount of stuff that they're actually putting through there. So, you know, why are they doing this? Are they just sort of, we've perfected something and moving on? or what? What's so the-,
4: uh, the first thing I would say is Klarna, to me, is one of the most interesting fintech companies in Europe, and they've they, they've kept it under the radar, I think, uh, for a while. But they are profitable. They are a very successful operation, very well managed and run. They started looking at credit products uh, about a year and a half ago, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And if you look at who is getting licenses and you try to sort of re- do a bit of reverse engineering with regards to the business model, they're basically... Two reasons: one is you're a neo bank and you feel you need to have a license to be a challenger bank, or you have some sort of credit product and you need a stable and cheap uh, funding solution. And so, getting a license is ultimately the only way you can get deposits. And so, I think uh, if I don't know that that's clarna's strategy, but it would make sense to me that they are a bit of sort of shortcutting their way through to. Getting that stable source of funding instead of going through the sort of victory parks of this world, and then trying to get a warehouse line from a bank. It's like you know what? We already have the brand. We already have the reach. Why don't we just start capturing deposits and using that as a uh, as a Intermediation platform.
3: It seems really old-fashioned, doesn't it? The idea that a business is profitable and doing a good a, a thing and then moves on to another thing. It's
2: like it's just not fintech, is it? Like re-
4: <laughs> oh my god, they have like <laughs> revenue and profit.
3: I know. What? That's model. weird. Oh it's right.
2: It's another really good example of a company that starts doing something small, really, really well, and then has a very paced, um, you know, way of delivering it could have even been the 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 first ambition when they when they set it up, but, you know, attracting those customers with doing one thing really, really well and then kind of extending and diversifying that product that product mix. And then, you know, this is, I suppose, the obvious maybe it's not the last step but surely a next step for a for a, for a company such as such as this which is looking to kind of okay what's the next thing what's the next thing and you know for their investors this is obviously a, you know a, a crucial a crucial step to to get somewhere to get somewhere big and maybe even further into europe and and who knows we could see them over here
5: i agree i think it's fintech growing up a bit isn't it it's kind of drive that wedge product get success get scale and then expand from there if you manage to do that it makes complete sense david and i think that point about um people have poo-pooed the banking business model a lot of attract deposits so i can lend but actually here are some people going down that route because it turns out it's a really profitable source of funding as, as as mariana says
4: i mean in the end you know we can try to skin the cat in many 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 ways in fintech but ultimately in banking there's two ways you make money. Or rather, there are two ways you make money and it's not an either. Sometimes, depending on which side of the cycle you are, you make money on fees. Some other times you make money on net interest income. That's it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how you make money in banking and that's how banking has been working for five, six hundred years, right? And so these guys, you say it's it's yeah, it's old school, but that's the way you actually make money. That's a proven business model that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
3: Like my, the the knocking it was purely ironic. I'm you know, we, but, there, but, but in uh, the end,
4: in the end, it's a smart thing to do, right? It just is. Why why. Reinvent the wheel when the wheel is still turning. Indeed,
1: I, would, I looked at uh, one of the CMA reports around personal current account revenue, where it came from, and there's like an interesting stack graph where you know you've got unauthorised overdraft fees and arranged overdraft fees are like 50 pounds or so, foreign ATM fees eight to nine pounds, interchange fees 17 pounds, monthly account fees 20. So you're up to about 80 pounds, and then the rest of it out of, for the 176 pounds that a personal current account makes. Eighty-eight percent of it is net value of funds, so it's it's how you're it's right, intermediation. Yeah. You're lending it, you're doing stuff with it, which I guess makes the next sort of connected story interesting because there's another TechCrunch article about Mani's adding direct debits to their uh, to their products.
0: They're slightly different; they, they haven't got a license, exactly. So they're building out functionality without the license. Yeah, so that that
1: half of those, you know, that revenue stack. You know, isn't available to them. They're charging. I think it's four pounds ninety-five a customer. They definitely set up as a an account for immigrants, an account for that for people who couldn't get a bank account elsewhere. But now, when you look at their website, it's you know an account for people who are mobile. It's they're, they're, It's a pivot. They've they're connected to faster payments. They can do direct debits. You know, they're starting to add features in, and it's a bank just about by everything apart from having a banking license
4: well i mean if you look at the way they position that you know themselves originally is the bank for immigrants so what happens when you're an immigrant you can't get a, a, a bank account anywhere yeah you go with them three months six months you have some history you have some you know flow going on and then you go on to barclays or Lloyds or Santander and you open an account yeah so they have i imagine a fairly significant churn problem you know that people are sort of Graduating to yeah. to high street banks. Mm. So what do you do? Well, you need to start creating some stickiness. You have to keep your customers with you, even if they become better, mm. you know, better customers. Mm. So from that perspective, I think doing you know direct debit is, is 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 clearly the way to go to start developing some of that stickiness. Mm.
1: Well, I, I think it is, it's that replacement account. It interests me that I couldn't find if they were doing lending in any ways, which again is sort of traditionally some way a way of, you know, making money overdrafts.
4: Yeah. It's been a while since I look companies. at them, but I don't think they have a credit product.
1: No.
0: Well, it's an interesting trend that we, I'm fascinated by companies that are kind of establishing a brand in fintech in in a certain area and then saying, okay, well, we might as well get a license and then see what's going to happen with it. So I'm... And the reverse with money saying, how much can we do without a license?
2: I think that's also like a really interesting, I mean, you know, I've, I've, there's a number of companies that we've spoken to where, you know, they're doing that the opposite piece to, to, to Klana. How far can we go without the license? How can we kind of leverage other, you know, other companies to, um, you know, to kind of fulfill to fulfill the piece of, of okay, well, we're not going to go for a banking license and we're not going to kind of take on that. Uh, you know, six to nine month journey of of, of getting that license. And I think you know, money is just another one. Um, you know, to add to that to that pile of, of of companies that are, you know, seemingly going down the line of providing all the services necessary for, you know, for someone who isn't, you know, heavily involved in 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 their in their money, um, but they're providing the solutions that that they that they want and need without having to have the the big the big bank burden.
4: For, for me, the interesting bit is, can you make a business model work? without the license. I have this sort of you know hypothesis and we'll see what happens post PSD2 that the next generation of banks won't really need a license. You'll see a decoupling between sort of manufacturing and distribution.
2: And if you're on the distribution side, which is where you'll make money, you shouldn't need the license. Yes
4: looking uh, at
2: looking at companies like Zopa who are, you know, who are peer-to-peer peer-to-peer lender, and then you know hearing that they're going for 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 the bank play, it'd be interesting to see how how they Kind of evolve in that post PSD two arena where you know is it the current account that they're that they're looking to to go down that route uh, or is it savings lending? What you know, what's well, the what are the what are the kind of pieces could, of the puzzle again, there? Without
4: knowing much of what they're doing, you could claim again they're doing to get a stable and cheap source of funds mm. to keep to to grow their lending business. There's a number of. Um, kind of these
5: peer-to-peer lenders that have been really struggling for funding. Uh, I think it was Funding Circle or Lending Club, I forget which, launched their own uh, hedge fund to buy their own debt because they weren't able to fund their loan book. And so now this makes complete sense in a market where getting a a bank account has been made easier because of the competition directive that came out via the UK government into the FCA, you see well-funded, established fintechs starting to go for uh, these banking licences because a great way to fund your loan book is deposits. I think that makes sense. But to Jamie's point and to your point about does this change post PSD 2 It would be interesting to see because I really don't know because we're we're potentially going to be in a position where we've got fintechs that do have licenses and fintechs that don't. And does having a license actually slow you down? Because this has been the complaint of the large organizations for a very long time. Oh, it's hard because regulation. We can't do stuff because regulation. And actually, you know, there's been people that have been able to challenge and still launch things in that environment. But now you have, I think... Uh, a broadening of the amount of companies in that space with a license it becomes an interesting market and you've got to see the uh rules that hmrc and the uk government and the policies that they put in place with the fca to create competition in the banking sector it's kind of worked
4: will that be good for consumers remains to be seen yeah i I think there's also a a broader question which is to have a license you need a boatload of money i mean you need significant capital right and it sort of stops if you talk to VCs, is it still a VC play to park 20, 25 million quid in you know, Bank of England because you 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 want a license? It, it, I think the model and who funds the model starts being a bit of a challenge. And as, as more and more startups go for the license, it will be interesting to see how they create that stack of capital that they need to to uh, maintain the license who are the investors that are willing to get behind that story interesting question after we saw what happened with tandem
0: so moving on but in a similar sort of area a story on banking tech talking about spain's first fully digital bank open bank uh, and their major transformation david Mariano, maybe a few words on this too.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think this is a really interesting one. You know, we, we've spoke a lot and at l- sort of quite a lot of length, you know, all of us probably in 11FS about actually how we feel banks are really going to be able to transform themselves. We don't think it's an exercise in being able to sort of uh, incrementally move yourselves sort of across the the banking battlefield, as we we call it. And actually, the, the sort of revolution that's required in terms of almost just starting from a completely different position, which is, you know, one inhibited by the or not inhibited by the uh, technological debt or the cultural debt that actually might be within those organisations. So for me, this sounds like the right thing to be doing. And the fact that it's been in sort of stealth for, I don't know, 15 months, I think it is, in terms of what the um, article is sort of alluding to. So, you know, the idea that Santander has taken this step to you know make something new and do something different uh, you know I, I guess the the proof is going to be in the pudding on this one so i'd uh yeah i'd uh, love to pop out to i think it's madrid isn't it where mm-hmm. this uh this is is organized so uh yeah as soon as the weather starts getting bad in london i'll be popping over to madrid just to check this one out but um you know theoretically from a strategy perspective this is exactly what we've been telling everybody to do so but it's it's exciting right how many banks do you think are probably in stealth now with a completely greenfield organization doing something super super interesting
1: well we know a few
3: we do <laughs> that's 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 where I was like should we just like wink at the camera <laughs>
1: and
3: if there are is... any more out there
0: needing needed help <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh so
3: yeah like for me super like the right strategy um and I, I kind of think the um I think we're going to be seeing more and more and more of this you know we we talk about it as the the sort of um get off the planet strategy as in it's it's too hard it's too difficult to sort of really move the dials on everything that's in the organization and if I was RBS if I was HSBC if I was all the big banks globally, I'd be very much kind of thinking about how we could do something like this because um, it's going to cost you billions when it should be costing you millions. So, what, what,
2: are, the, what are the timelines on these uh, on seeing these new these these new digital banks? You w- think?
3: Well, this one's sort of emerged now, but if they've done it in twelve to fifteen months to sort of put a put in place. Uh, a kind of a strategic roadmap. I think it talked about three months of incredible, incredibly intensive research and proposition development, then moving into to development. Then, you know, 15, 16 months and you've got something sort of rolling. So, you know, um, it, it, it seems like the right thing to do for me. For
1: me, though, it all comes down to the talent. Yeah. And I think it's very hard to, um, you know, to find that superstar, all-star team in order to put these things together because I think you can put together a fairly mediocre proposition pretty easily but something that's going to you know cut through the market and deliver something great um, is tough especially when there's there's so many opportunities for those people out in the out the market.
5: And I think when it naturally competes with the core business, it's always challenging, right? So how do you do that? Um, it's the total recall um, kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger scene I'm thinking of, which is get your ass to Mars. Like you've, you've kind of got to just give up on the old thing and try the new thing, but also pick an area where you can win without necessarily competing. Enter a new market, try a new segment, do something that has been difficult for the traditional business to do and do it in a new way and hopefully grow a culture that, that grows. I, I think this should be applauded. I think it's absolutely the right strategy we've seen people with digital transformation for years and trying to turn the oil tanker and all this kind of stuff but actually that's that's only gone so far and sustaining innovation is is great and Long may that continue. Updates to the apps, fantastic. Add new feature functionality to it. But try this too. It's good to have a portfolio of what you're doing. And if it's creating new experiences for customers and those customers are enjoying those experiences and they're adopting them, then let's see it. But I'm gonna watch this one closely because I hope it, it gains traction because that's the key question now.
2: I, uh, just, I'm just quoting a, a report that we that we got. Um, You're quoting fact. I know on fintech it's, it's, it's actually it's on screen. It's well. all the time. It's all screen. It's no on, facts. It's on screen. And, and it was, you, you've been here before as well. I know. So like, and guess what? This was totally unprepared as wow. well. <laughs> it just happened to be in my downloads folder. Um, but this is a report that Capgemini um, released uh, just last week, uh, the World Retail Banking Report 2017. We're on page 20 of 40, um, and it's my understanding that Open Bank has a has a has an API. Strategy, which is something that's quite um, in vogue at the minute, uh, and on Simon's point around product cannibalization, you know, part of this, uh, part of the value of this report is that it's you know it has it's it's got some really hard facts and in depth um, kind of interviews with. Uh, you know, p- people from fintechs and also people from banks. And 34% of um, of the banks that they interviewed sa- stated that product cannibalization was was one of the main uh, reasons why these digital propositions and, and p- particularly in this report, API integrations were something that they were they were wary of. Um, so just to put a little bit of statistical meat on those uh, burns you offered up earlier.
4: So no, the, the one thing that I... I and unfortunately, I can't really say a lot about Open Bank for obvious reasons, but... Uh, something that I think it's worth mentioning is uh, the background of Ezekiel who's the guy running the show there I think it was a pretty bold bet that uh, we had there and I think again I can't really say a lot about the strategy of it but I think you'll see uh, very very interesting things the way the way he has been thinking about creating a new uh, banking digital banking proposition it goes against a lot of sort of the the traditional way of 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 creating a value proposition. So Ezekiel comes from Amazon, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and when he joined, he didn't really know a lot about banking. Fifteen months ago, I, I think it's been a fascinating journey, and I've been part of some of those discussions. and And I I, I do think uh, you need that type of challenger outsider mentality to. To, to create that optionality that that we're looking for with 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 open bank. So hopefully in the coming months you'll see a lot of very cool, interesting things uh, coming on.
2: Also, when you put when you put tech people at the top of something like a, a BBVA with um, Carlos Torres, you 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 normally get some uh, pretty good, pretty exciting results. So. I'm excited too.
0: We will be watching, you know, closely. Moving on then from digital transformation to uh, more of a cultural transformation need. Jason,
1: story in Bloomberg about Barclays and their former executives who've been charged. Mm, I've read a few articles about this, still can't really work out what's going on. Four senior bankers charged with conspiracy to commit fraud during Barclays 2008 capital raise from Qatar. Uh, where they essentially were avoiding a bailout from the financial crisis. So it was uh, something around the £322 million in fees that they paid to, uh, to Qatar uh, and a £3 billion loan facility made available as part of a side deal. And they, they essentially raised £12 billion in, um, in investment. But there's this something around Qatar I don't know what else there is to say, apart from the fact that some senior bankers from a decade ago are going to have a really bad day. One of them's in retired in Malibu, so that's going to be harsh. You know, one of them had to retire from the board of BlackRock and Rio Pinto. Again, bad day for him. Um, so I guess, you know, we're, we're, we're getting back to uh, to that old the I mean, 2008. I think for a lot of people, it would be good to see that Finally, some people are starting to, you know,
0: be taken to court over the collapse of the financial system. But it wasn't the even the collapse, though, was it? Yeah. This
2: was it's the borrowing the... to save it yeah. from being, uh, you know, brought back into the to the public realm. So it's a it's a really to dodge. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. I don't know how I don't know how I feel about it. Well, yeah, it's an
0: ongoing case. So we probably be careful what we do actually <laughs> yeah. say. Uh, but in a similar vein as well, this week. Um, Superstar Senator Elizabeth Warren in the US has called for the removal of the 12 Wells Fargo board members who oversaw their um, interesting selling tactics, shall we say? Anybody have any comments on... No, all, well, nobody wants to go near that one do we disagree or agree but, moving uh, on move. moving on
5: that's interesting and let's watch it closely because uh, <laughs> because that wow. is the FinTech insider euphemism for like not interested <laughs> like, let's move on you've not that,
2: got a lawyer in the room and <laughs> um, we're going to be watching that very close. Just, topic. just,
5: just pay attention because it could be significant. I've got a Google alert set up, so uh. <laughs> I see you're paying attention. That's what I asked you to do. Thank you, Jamie.
0: <laughs> Moving away from uh, legally uh, grey areas, uh, Simon, Business Insider. BlackRock, as we've just got a previous mention,
5: uh, getting into European robo-advice as its uh, its investment. Uh, So BlackRock, for those of you not familiar, are the world's largest asset manager. They have uh, $5.6 trillion of assets under management, which is not insignificant. Um, And asset managers do all kinds of things. They look after uh, pension funds, sovereign wealth funds. They manage big chunks of money on behalf of large swaths of the economy to grossly oversimplify what it is they do. Um, And a lot of times they sell, funds they create funds and if you're looking to buy gold or you're looking to buy uh kind of something that tracks the FTSE 100 or the dow or the s p then you might choose to buy that from blackrock and blackrock actually hold shares in lots of companies underneath that so the problem with uh with that model is most of their customers are either corporations which is fine or a generation of people that are uh, getting older and the problem with all of your customers getting older is eventually nature takes its course and they 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 no longer around and they're not winning the younger generation so the, by not winning the younger generation they've they've identified a bit of a strategic challenge here in the asset management industry, which is where do you get that next generation of wealth? Where do you get that next generation of customer in your developed markets? Um, I've been talking to a number of asset managers lately who are really wrestling with this challenge. And BlackRock's approach here is to invest in uh, scalable capital. And so we've had Adam French on the show a couple of times at, at scalable. And at scalable, of course, are a robo-advisor. Robo-advisory being kind of, tell me how much risk appetite you have. Tell me how much uh, you want to invest or willing to lose, etc., And we'll help invest your money before you for you on a digital platform that's really easy to use. This is interesting one to me because um, they've already uh, kind of made a couple of investments in the past in this space. And their CEO had talked a couple of times about uh, kind of making a couple of acquisitions in this space. So they uh, acquired, I believe, um, Future Future Advisor. Advisor. Yeah. Um, And that has something like uh, $900 million assets under management. So it's really acquiring a new generation of customers, but strategically, it's acquiring a new way of uh, interacting with their customers. So um, I think this one's interesting.
4: How about you? So, before I, I contradict you, is uh, <laughs> the strategy you describe is it, is it fact and quality or is, is your analysis? That's over? my analysis. It's okay. not strategy. So if you look at what... <laughs> do you how, feel more comfortable now? No, no. Now, 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 now <laughs> okay. I can call bullshit. on no,
3: no, it's fact. Just call it fact. <laughs> okay.
4: So if you look at what they did with Future Advisor, right? Yeah. They are marketing it to... So as you described, BlackRock does a lot of that, but they also do sort of a... Sort of an end-to-end service to smaller banks and financial institutions who are not able to create their own wealth management value proposition, mm-hmm. right? So they have this platform called Aladdin, where it, where it basically they manage your assets mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. The way they've been positioning Future Advisor in the U.S. is they really go the end-to-end. Right, you're a small bank and say, well, you know, use Aladdin to manage the assets and then you use Future Advisor at the front end. And they have a couple of public uh, agreements with banks even BBVA uh, in the US is 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 using them so i imagine that they are going for a similar push in Europe and that's why very interesting i would imagine that they invest in again it's my analysis is as much non fact based yeah. as yours but but my sense is that if they are following in the same playbook what they're going to do is use that as a more of a like white label platform to allow Institutional clients, financial institutions who are already using uh, BlackRock in the back end to have a, you know, a, a plug-and-play front end for those uh, new generation. Customers. So they don't
5: have to build their own front end. Correct. They can they can sell it to. So it's, so it's one removed from where I was. It's a kind of the they're selling it to banks rather than selling it direct to consumer.
4: Yeah, I mean, typically when you talk to most of the call them sort of AUM giants, they don't really see. The new generation of RoboAdvisors as a scalable, effective asset gathering uh, platform. you know and, and 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 I mean, Vanguard and the like have proven that they can you know raise in a weekend what betterment and and uh, and Wellfront took three years to to raise, right sure, so like it's I'm it's not- more around having the right technology and the right talent to create product mm-hmm. for that new generation of customers. Um, than, than, than really going for a new way of, of gathering assets, I think. I, I actually,
1: um, I spoke at a BlackRock event where they brought lots of robo-advisors in because there was this thought of, you know, that robo-advisors, the danger wasn't that they disintermediated banks, but they they got to scale around getting in the way of asset management, which was a long way off, but it was amazing that this was like a year ago or so and scale, I think Scalable Capital were there, a few other players were there and they were just really starting to grapple with, um, with both how uh, sort of asset management works at the top end but also scaling down into the, um, into the bottom end. And I think I heard Nick Hungerford at um, talk in Edinburgh where he was talking about in a low interest rate environment where relatively young people can't get on the housing ladder either so they can't make money from savings, they can't make money from housing. You know where are they going to be putting their money, and how does that work? So I don't know. There's so many interesting themes going on here on digital, on wealth, not just being about the wealthy, but about everyone else, about how people have traditionally put money aside or made money um, that that are sort of coming together in, a, in an interesting way. <laughs> so moving we'll on, <laughs> and Jamie's got something in his drink.
0: the the, uh,
2: the, the bottom logo of the um, of the of the plastic. Uh, beer glass that I'm drinking looked like the Strands logo and I thought they've done, a, they've done a really good job you know of when sponsoring- you start to hallucinate
3: fintech everywhere you really need to take I was a like, step back they've done back. a
2: very good job of sponsoring yeah. this
3: show <laughs> our sponsors do an amazing job I'm just saying so um, <laughs> Well, we'll, we'll we keep an eye on that, Jamie, <laughs> uh, and moving that's on.
5: a good suggestion as well. Moving,
0: moving on from assets under management then to uh, a company that's got some new assets to manage. Uh, that was they, so oh, a... seamless. seamless. Right, seamless. Come on. <laughs> I'm not even drinking. Uh, yeah, David, <laughs> Business Insider, Atom Bank. Thirty million quid from Mr Hammond.
3: Yeah, these guys are just—it's like raining money in Durham, isn't it? Like, <laughs> like the, the amount of um, the amount of money that these guys are kind of bringing in because they—they've already raised like what 100 123 000, million, 000, 000,
1: I think? No, it no, it's more. Oh. It's more. They've got I think hundred ninety-five or something. Hundred was their last raise, wasn't
0: it? Like, I, th- I thought the whole BBVA point of
3: setting up in Durham was like it was cheap up north. But uh, you know, like the idea that you need all of this money to start a bank. But it just—I do find it weird that every time somebody mentions Atom, they have to mention that it's in Durham. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. like, it's like a sort of an apologetic thing. So well, like it that. seems it's quite, quite, quite bizarre. I like yeah. that. What, like the, the Northern, do, do you feel like it's an affront to your people, Aiden? or is this I'm sort kind
0: of... A, a, I'm from Yorkshire, but B, yeah. I'm, I, you know, big digital scene in the Northeast, Newcastle, Durham, lots of smart people up there, can see why they went there. I'd like to see them make more of their local nature. They don't really seem to talk about it that much in a wider marketing sense, but... Coming back to
3: the loan, indeed. But this is, this is an interesting. So this is another thirty million that they've been granted by the British Business Bank. So the the idea here that this is they've basically been lent thirty million pound in order for them to be able to lend uh, increasing amount of money out to business banks, which is interesting. Right? Small businesses, yeah. yeah. yeah so always, which is quite so they don't an have interesting a small thing.
0: product at the moment, do they? they have no a mortgage and a savings account. So but a it's precursor to something new Yeah,
3: mm. but it, it sort of feels like these guys are almost like not completing anything I sort of feel like they're putting in all of the elements of a bank without then scaling it so that you know they've done mortgages they've done current accounts they've done savings mm. accounts. No, no no, current no, they, accounts they've
0: said they're not going to do current accounts so we is. can't do it it's so, too hard yeah Maybe, but, but maybe they, but next year
3: but they built it didn't they so they built all of the, these pieces they put something out into a, a ratings table for a little bit and you know got a few customers moving and it's almost like it's like a big bank that's being
4: maybe created they, without I, all of the people David I'm I'm, I'm I'm truly confused are you saying they have no business model or <laughs> strategy is that what you're claiming
3: no, no, no I, I actually I actually think they have because yeah. actually I think everything that's coming with uh, the investment from BBVA <laughs> actually is probably where the business model is going because this is, is sort of stealth of creating a an organization that could scale to you know hundreds of thousands of customers potentially in terms of uh, millions of customers actually um to, to to do it but it feels like they're putting in place a party for 10 million people without having invited any guests or bringing anybody with them and that's that's the interesting thing with it is i think they're doing a lot of the a lot of the right things and we'll probably come on to I Am in a little bit but um but I, I think it's um, it's in inter- the list of right things. It, I'm not no. so sure. <laughs> in fact, <I>, last <laughs> are,
5: are, are you saying they failed to get the party started? Is it's that right. what I
2: oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did hear I did hear rumors that Santander were bringing on Miley Cyrus, but that's unconfirmed. <laughs> <laughs> it's unconfirmed. <No> comment. <laughs> <laughs> I I think is it is this this is equity free money, is it? I mean, It's I, a loan. They've been given so a loan. They're, so loan. they're taking yeah, on yeah, debt. So they're, yeah, so. they're taking on debt for this. It's it's really interesting. I think I think Atom's they've gone after the big ticket stuff first, which is different to a lot of the Challenger banks. Like a lot of the Challenger banks, your Monzos and your Starlings, you know, they've gone tackle the current account, the, the daily, that daily interaction with money. And Atom's gone Which is also capital light. Yeah, which is also Capital Light, yeah. And Atom's gone the other way. They've gone, you know, really attractive savings product to get, you know maybe a a a more wealthy older customer who are going to be on the comparison sites they're right at the top there for people who want that rate they're going to they're going to get it and that that's got a lot of you know cash coming coming in then they went straight for the mortgages was the, was the next piece again you know you're talking about the profitable parts of the bank you know those are the big profit making kind of pieces or or Mariano shaking his head <laughs> furiously Violantly.
4: Mortgages is only profitable if you're able to cross-sell to it. Otherwise, it's a very heavy uh, asset on the balance sheet that is not you know, incredibly profitable. Hmm. Definitely not short-term, right? It's, no. not, it's not the short-term benefit that you right. want
3: to build a business. I
4: mean, a, 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 typically, a mortgage, and this is back from my consulting days, typically a mortgage client becomes profitable once he, they have above four products uh, on their account. Otherwise, you know with, with with the and particularly with the current uh, interest rate environment, you don't make money on a mortgage
5: It's interesting that this is a purely digital play that the products do seem to be aimed at an older audience. I think that that's what I'm seeing between the lines of what Jamie's saying and and I guess there was something that on our, our last Insights show that the CEO of RFI was saying that in their last study they were saying um, that in the UK at least uh, the Generation X and even the Boomers have an, an ever-increasing attitude towards digital they're fine with it they, they absolutely fully embrace it which is really surprising you think the millennials would want digital most but there's a maybe there's something here that everybody else has missed maybe they are going after an interesting um, interesting segment with something that's purely digital, but we were just praising earlier this idea of land one thing, succeed and expand uh, if you're taking venture capital, but these guys haven't taken venture capital. They've taken different, well, they've taken a bit, but they've taken
4: lots of other types of capital and are doing it in a very different way. But It it, it talks again to the point that I was making before, which is if you are going to build a bank long term and you need all that buffer of capital to sort of sustain the license and whatnot, it does make sense to go to other sources of funding that are not VC. Mm -hmm. And get a big chunk so yeah. moving on but staying
0: with atom um and again coming back to what we were talking about you know who is the cu- customer that we're t- they are targeting we're not really not sure about and uh yesterday 6 p.m we weren't invited to a closed press announcement with Will. I Am. i'm not sure why we weren't in- invited uh but yeah they've revealed why he became an advisor and there was a, a, a great line in this story david Tell me, you, you read the line
3: Anthony said. I,
4: I can't. Have you gotten over the fact that they didn't invite you? Because <laughs> I very, very...
5: Can you tell us a little bit? Bitter? I'll, I'll,
3: I'll be honest. I was very. I'm bitter. I
4: was
2: very
3: disappointed, putting it mildly, that we were not invited to such event. But um, we didn't
2: invite Will I Am to this event. So that's true. On him. <laughs> Take that, Will I Am. That's all I Um
0: You like, missed out, on we were beer. I,
3: I genuinely. I'm struggling sort of in my head on this one, if I'm honest with you, because the more...
1: You're struggling in your head.
3: Yeah, like I'm I'm sort of having a little bit of a tug of war on this one, because the more I read this stuff, the more I actually think this is a good idea.
0: You've defended it in the past. I know, I have.
3: It's weird, isn't it? I don't know why. It doesn't sound like me, I know. But I like, and that's why it hurts even more that I wasn't invited, but I'm joking. Um, But the idea that actually this guy's, you know, he's come from a a, a bad background. He wants to help you young people really understand what financial services is. I can't argue with any of that. Like, that all makes total sense. Um, And the the idea that um, Anthony from um, Atom Bank has basically sat down and said, uh, you know, if atom bank was going to be embodied by a person they wanted to be somebody who was technologically savvy that was good at social media that 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 was in touch with young people well i am right you know so uh, like I actually can see that. I think, again, I still think that he makes sense. He did mention sense. he was drinking at the time. Yeah, but... I'd like to know what the wine was. But this this guy does, right? It's like he has he has connectivity. You know, he's kind of... He's on the TV. People will recognise him. Uh, I, I do so, still... So, so, so ha-
0: there was a great line as well about... He said, you know,
3: he struggled when he was first getting rich. He said he, uh, he would
0: shove checks in his glove compartment. He didn't have any way of managing money. And he kind of said he didn't want young people to be like that. How is a mortgage and a savings product going to...
5: Uh, this
2: is, this it's is tie is, into the, this is, to the is, youth demographic that, that they're obviously targeting. If you've got the announcement to the announcement of him joining was in February or in June. It's a really slur It's either it's either you know been put off this 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 big announcement or it's just a PR agency that's been really slow to wrap a a no. real strategy around around what is essentially. Let's get someone who is who is a big public figure to to figurehead to, to figurehead the bank. Doesn't
5: this strike me though as somebody who doesn't know what kids are into, wondering what kids are into, catching the voice on checks. BBC One and going, "Isn't that what the kids are into?" Because like,
2: who gets paid in checks. It's, uh, so, <laughs> like, but, like, yeah. but
5: like, how many times has Will <laughs> I am been on what, Twitch live stream? What is Life the, he's American. What, what what is
4: the financial arrangement relationship oh, between
2: Atom uh, and Options? options yeah free I think, options i think 3.6 million, million no no it was just free options okay I, 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 can't, I can't imagine they're free <laughs> no no i think he'll have to pay he'll have to pay what their worth is at the time that he was offered them. anyway
0: we've talked about him so much i know he's enjoyable but let's move on from being dismissive about will i am to uh the paypal chief being dismissive of
5: a
2: oh, oh time so, my goodness out of the park oh
5: wow nailed it yeah, okay so he's for the anchor Simon. So um, the PayPal CEO has dismissed the Apple Pay challenge. Of course, um, PayPal in the US has a a person-to-person payment app called Venmo. Venmo is seen very much as a social network, um, which allows you to send money to your friends. Um, And it's been around for some years. It's got about, I think, 8 million users, maybe a little bit more. And basically, uh, his argument goes, uh, I think Mr. Shulman, the Apple products uh, will struggle to gain traction because it's not available on non-Apple devices, unlike PayPal. They're technology agnostic. Um, people use multiple operating systems. They can have an Android phone, a Microsoft PC, and an Apple tablet. They need to be able to use payments across all of those devices. I think I'm in I'm, I'm two minds on this one. Um, as we've said many times, the Apple ecosystem for Apple users can actually be all-encompassing. Uh, there are a lot of people who c- communicate all, entirely with their family in FaceTime and iMessage and so on. So I think Apple does have an argument here. You to got talk- through that, Simon. Well done. I, know. I, know. I, know. I was
3: waiting for the boil just to get right, you know.
5: Those are all facts, yeah, okay. um, but also in this time, in, in the last uh, year and a half, is it since PayPal um, separated from eBay and went public, their share price has nearly doubled. Venmo and especially Braintree have been particular highlights uh, of, of that uh, of that stock. PayPal kind of has a point, right? They're, they're the uh, fintech company that was there before fintech. It was Elon Musk and Max Levchin and all those guys, the founders. They were kind of right early on. They no, they're they not as big as uh, a Visa or a MasterCard, but they're not a million miles off in terms of market cap. So these, this is an organization that's sizable um, and that people tend to ignore and forget because they seem kind of old hat. Um, and in peer-to-peer payments, at least in the US, he, he may have a point. I don't know if um, peer-to-peer payments is is really where the battle is though
3: i i think this is interesting because paypal was successful by being as close to the problem as they could be right you know they were the people who were like the alternative to being asked to find your wallet and that worked right you know you were the the alternative to the way it was done before you know arguably what's going to happen with the, the sort of um, apple payments elements and everything that will be integrated with messenger is that it's closer to the problem you know it's further down the stack it's not it's not just in the software; it's fully integrated into the hardware as well. So, I, I kind of feel this is almost like Apple. Are, you know, they've gone a little bit deeper than PayPal did when PayPal was super successful about it. And obviously, App, uh, PayPal are going to say this isn't going to work because, because essentially it's it's a competitive thing, isn't it? You know, um, I
1: find it, I find the peer to peer space really interesting because. Uh I don't know last few weeks I've been to a variety of countries speaking to a few banks and it was interesting that a B and Amro have this uh, this thing they just uh, spun off uh, Tiki um, in DMB at Norway they have vips you know and actually these have been really successful in the countries that they're that they're in because not only does it it serve a local need, but it has that viral nature. If I want to send you money, I can send you something that's a link to then get you on and then once you're on we're on as a group of friends, it spreads. Is this, um,
3: is this the functionality that Bunk did first? Is that the one that, that we... Yeah, uh, go
1: back and see, you know, Fintech Insider episode XXX for, um, <laughs> uh, for more details. Um, but that was the but porn I'm, episode. I'm interested in that, you know, in the number of people, especially in particular countries where this these things haven't taken off, are pushing it. And actually, out of the, the banks that have spun off fintechs, peer-to-peer payments actually been one of the mo- more successful plays that we've seen recently.
4: Well, my take is... If you if if you if you buy the whole thing of like you know the stack and the closer you are to the customer, the more value you extract, and so on, and and payments being part of a socially being part of a conversation, being able to be part of that, being able to offer payments agnostically mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. conversational channel, whether it's voice or chat, does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. One of our portfolio companies, Paykey, does exactly that, and the reason we invested is because we thought, well. This is not a Messenger play or an iMessage play or a Telegram or WhatsApp play. We can effectively offer our customers the ability to, again, have that conversation with the, with their friends and send and receive money over any channel they decide to to do so. So I do think it makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't see it as a, like, oh, the peer-to-peer product. Mm. It's more of the, well, you know... You know, David. I buy him a beer. He, you know, he wants to pay me back. There should be a way that that's part of the conversation, right? And as such, I do think it makes a lot of sense, and it doesn't need to be something that is sort of spun off of a bank or, you know, it. No, it,
0: it, so. it,
4: it, beca- it becomes almost like commodity infrastructure in a certain way, right? I
2: think. Yeah, I think the I think the commodity um, piece is the is the interesting bit here. I there was something I saw this, and you know, this is an Apple Pay, but it is um, uh, Amazon Echo and and, and Alexa. Um, you know, it was a video going round, and it was someone ordering batteries via Amazon uh, Echo. And when they compared the products that were on offer on Alexa versus, you know, Amazon regular just on the web, the products that Alexa was offering was Amazon's own brand. And I think, you know, when you start going down the the, the roots of conversational commerce, I think is the, the kind of the in vogue term, and and these kind of disintermediated like services within messenger apps you're kind you know you're treading this line between okay and this and it doesn't necessarily apply to the 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 peer-to-peer payments local payments piece but you know as soon as that maybe goes um like beyond to you know foreign exchange you know what's the service that's going to be offered you know there and and how is that relationship going to be managed and how is that relationship going to be fair for the customers who are who are who are going to, going to get it, and I think I had a bit of a coming to light moment when I when I when I saw that video of of the Alexa battery um, kind of example because it shows the kind of the real power of this disintermediation and and the and the effect that it can have in terms of just you know, what customers see as being the the, the products available to them.
1: Uh, I'm interested in how you win in this space. Like, how do you get scale? Mm-hmm. Because it reminds me a bit of instant messaging. You know, there was a time years back where you had. I don't know ICQ and Skype and cr- all kinds of crazy MSN, different IM AOL instant messenger uh, IM sets yeah. uh, which I guess ties into the like the default you know what is the default when I get a device or when I get something or what is the default within my peer group and will it is it a, like a viral thing where you know Teens will use one thing, adults will use another. The, you know, My gran will use something that's just built into the phone. You know, how do you win at scale by, by converting a, a big part of the
4: market? I don't think that's something that we need to win or not. I shouldn't use myself as an example of anything because that's usually a bad idea. But I speak to David over uh, Twitter DM. I speak to my wife over iMessage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I chat with my kid over WhatsApp. So why do we need a default? I mean, ultimately, you use all, right? Mm -hmm. I think the point is, again, if you keep on moving up the stack, it doesn't matter which uh, social network channel you use. The important thing is, hey, there's a way to send payments to David and to my wife and to my kid, regardless of which uh, network I'm on. Mm -hmm.
5: And I think this is the beginning of somebody attempting to do that when Apple have done it, right? Because the Facebook kind of payment stuff previously had been kind of clunky with transfer wise and it hadn't really worked. And they tried to put PayPal in there and it hadn't really worked. And Square had Square Cash and it. It it does okay, but there's there's circle out there. There's a whole bunch of people in this peer-to-peer space. To the point, I don't know that you need to win, but you do need to get scale. And uh, I I don't know that anything's got genuinely international scale or regional scale, except in China where where uh, WeChat has done really well.
2: The WeChat example is interesting as well because they just offer 10 cent products. It's all top down from 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 one company. Um, It's not a, you know, in a lot of cases you could look at that quite objectively and say. Is that fair? You know, and how long do we have to wait before Tencent go? Actually, there are fees now associated with those things. I mean, I think it last check uh, tra- well, it was 800 million. It's unfair.
1: Husbands. It's unfair in the same way that using an Apple phone with a default, because to a certain extent, WeChat is the is a proxy operating system. So unregulated um, uh, as well. I yeah. Mean, which is yeah. The- and uh, and I guess actually we should move hear from our sponsors. Well, I think we should move hear from our sponsors. Yes. Thank <laughs> you very much, Jason. <laughs>
0: The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full
2: perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription.
0: Critical Mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach Critical Mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs
4: Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank and
3: BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit
1: strands.com today.
0: Thanks very much to our sponsors. Back into it then. Simon. Story in City AM about banks being forced to reveal cyber security breaches.
5: Yeah, the one of the supervisors, uh, a lady by the name of Sabine. I'm not going to try and say her last name. A member of the uh, European Central Bank's executive board said um, the aim is to help them assess more objectively how many incidents there are and how cyber threats are evolving. And Banking has for quite some time been sharing data on money laundering and and all this kind of stuff. I think them requiring it on cybersecurity threats makes complete sense. Although, historically, there's been a bit of embarrassment about, you know, maybe this is just my perception, but... it. It seems to me like banks just don't want to talk about the cybersecurity threat because they're seen as very secure. They want to be seen as secure. But actually, when you're hacked, being really honest and really clear and how you communicate that is probably right. I mean, it could happen to anyone at any time, right? Well,
3: well it's early warning signs for anybody else in the in the space, isn't it? So if you mm. if you see somebody else being attacked, or particularly if it's through a, a particular vulnerability, then actually being aware of that and being able to do something about it is it's kind of critical, really. I guess it's what is the ECB actually going to be doing with this information? Is it something that they're going to be sort of, um, you know, you don't offer up information that's going to be somebody sort of telling you off about? So, you know, what is the ECB going to do with this stuff?
5: I think the aim is to identify where the threats are coming from to be able to develop thematic reviews on cybersecurity and outsourcing arrangements and it's the outsourcing arrangements that are a common weak link apparently according to this article which is interesting given a major UK bank just announced they're outsourcing all of their IT to a large vendor um so I, I think there's there's going to be interest I I don't know that this means anything right now but in time what I think we're going to see this one uh, run and, uh, and run. we're not saying here that
1: that this is going to be made public are we it's no, actually no. just being uh, reported, uh, reported to the ecb, ECB.
2: Yeah. i'd like i'd like to know what is defined as a cybersecurity breach because there are you know there are levels aren't there really i mean if it's bits and pieces of like the first letter of a first name and the last net letter of a last name you know when you're talking about i mean we you know as, as a company we have penetration tests pretty pretty regularly and essentially you know we do we do very well but the gathering of like tiny morsels of, of of data here and there which is you know in some cases pretty incongruous is that something that is is, it does is say significant
5: in the uh in the announcement. Yeah, so what, how they're defining significant, the again, yeah, is they interesting. Are
2: significant? Or, uh... <laughs> so so
5: you, you obviously think about this, the, the, the Sony hack and the Target hack and these sorts of things, and there have been um, ransomware attacks on banks. There have been stories of bank systems going down where, where it's been assumed to be ransomware. Uh, I was at uh, an Into the Future conference in February that the ECB ran where one of the major cybersecurity experts they had stood on stage and said he recommends that people hold on to some Bitcoin so that they can pay ransom, which was really surprising. Um, Scary as well. But it's a recognition that this stuff is happening. And sometimes the right answer is not just to be uh, big and bold and brash. It's actually to be really reactive to the threats which are evolving and changing nature. And I think this is a recognition that uh, that that's the case.
0: Yeah, moving on swiftly and strangely then, Jason... uh embedded RFID tags under Human the skin. Human cyborgs,
1: Aiden. Brilliant. I'm Human cyborgs. Uh, we were over with the uh, NFI, the Nordic Finance Innovation guys, uh, doing an event in uh, Stockholm. And this about? guy came across, I think it was me, Chris Skinner, actually Ed from Bud was there. And uh, and he was introduced shoes sort of like, this guy is a cyborg. And what it, essentially what he'd done is, you know those chips that are used uh, to track pets? Essentially, he had one in, his, uh, in the top of his hand, and it was actually an NFC chip, uh, not for payments, but just for, um, that, that could provide NFC functionality. Actually, the co-working space, Epicenter, Uh, was one of the first places, this place in Stockholm, where rather than carrying like a key card around, like we do in WeWork, you could have a chip embedded in your hand at a party. So you have a few beers, rather than get a tattoo, no, you get something embedded in your hand. And this could then open doors, could let you in, could do a whole host of stuff. So apparently commuters now travelling on Swedish transport trains that are run by this company called SJ uh, that are now trialling a system that let them have their ticket validated by an NFC microchip in their hand Hand, which I guess just builds on that. We're seeing it this in this small place the ability now for people to do things, you know, with chips embedded. Are really, you gonna have a chip embedded, Mariani?
4: No, no. <laughs> hell no, no. But I do remember uh, maybe a year ago we had a we had a company pitch to us the same functionality, uh, but um, they were like removable uh, removal tattoos, mm-hmm. and through their manufacturing process they could. Uh, make it such that it was good for a day or a week or three mm-hmm. weeks, and they were targeting festivals or like you go to a club med for a week and you don't need to carry your wallet around. That I could see mm-hmm. sort of something that is that can be removed after the fact or that if you well, that Glastonbury's on now, right? I could see that work. Money Twenty right Twenty's
1: right? on next week. I think we're all we all need one.
4: Yeah. Well, didn't Money Twenty? Who was it that tried to do the? Was it Money 2020 or, or Web Summit that tried to do the wearables and failed miserably at it a couple of years back, remember? It was Web Summit, yeah. But did you
1: see that um, in iOS 11, uh, the, the recent announcement, they're building uh, QR code recognition into as a default now yeah. on iPhones. So you've got to think that actually having QR codes as a temporary tattoo could, could easily be a peer-to-peer Somewhere
0: rapid. some Nokia execs are just crying about that, saying, we had, we had it in the N95. <laughs> Look at this. How are we?
4: You know, you have these sort of rfid protective wallets and the same for passports and whatnot so how do we get around protecting like are you going to start wearing like aluminum foil <laughs> in your hand a
1: metal glove bring Stand bring back hand. gauntlets right?
4: that's see why that, I mean.
1: that's why I like you Mariana you're thinking a step ahead yeah. someone's, someone's creating a market in NFC chips you're already on the metal glove yeah I'm already going uh, we
4: are literally going to start wearing <laughs> tinfoil <theme laughs> <helmet>. hats yeah. <laughs> we are wearing yeah. <laughs> tinfoil hats is a thing now
5: well <laughs> when uh, this story first came out I saw on Facebook there was just a giant lump of people coming along with privacy and big brother and ah oh, You know, mark of the devil and all this sort of stuff. And I get why having chips in your hands can be seen as, oh, the government wants to control you. But actually, this is people choosing to put very basic functionality that does very restricted things in their hands. That's the thing is, at the moment, it's a choice. But then what if you worked for a company
0: who then said you had to be chipped? Yeah. You know, that's not that's not having worked for a bank that's not a huge leap to make at all and then what if a government wow. does the same and obviously we've had problems with
5: people being barked I'll believe that when I see it but we're carrying around enough chips already by choice uh, I, and, and I think actually we will we will choose this because of the convenience it brings
2: are we doing S- fish and chips out of this <laughs> uh, it's like
3: subliminal messaging
2: yeah, I really am, yeah.
3: i am hungry <laughs> so
0: if anybody wants one of those things actually there's uh, I'm not recommending anybody go and do this but yeah if you go to DangerousThings.net for I think it's ninety nine dollars. You can get your own RFID
3: RFID tag. It's called
2: DangerousThings.net. Yeah. Dangerous you know, the the, 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 I'm the not
3: warning doing doesn't it. need to be there,
0: but it comes with its own needle. You can yeah. inject yourself. They
4: have also another euro which is like
2: things might kill
4: you. <laughs> so, you know it does draw, what it draw, says what. on
2: the tin. So if you're brave enough to you go to ReallyDumbIdeas.com. You can find all these things. <laughs>
0: moving on. So Move. Moving on. From NFC microchips under the skin to something a little bit more sedate, David, uh, the International <laughs> RegTech Association has been launched along with some IBM Watson apps.
3: So what? Yeah, so I, I think this is a re-
4: <laughs> there's a few interesting RegTech. Uh, International RegTech
3: Association which for anybody who doesn't sort of put the piece that together is the IRA as the (laughs) the thing (laughs) somehow they managed to make it the IRTA sensibly after I'm sure somebody pointed out that uh, there was a bit of a uh, somebody got there before them they couldn't get the domain they had to go on to the next thing indeed so um, but this this whole article uh, over on dailyfintech.com is is basically pointing out how much money has been spent on um, on RegTech so it's well over a billion pounds every year on the regulatory processes in the UK, and reg tech firms are sort of blooming, really, in terms of what's coming through. The bit that I actually found interesting about this wasn't anything to do with the IRA or the RTA or whatever they want to call themselves. It was actually the amount of money that the banks have paid in fines to US regulators, which is a little diagram that they've got in the middle here. And it is just alarming. You know, I kind of think there's a uh, 8.9 billion fines from BNP Paribas that has been paid to the US regulator. There's 1.9 billion by HSBC, 500 million by ABN AMRO, on and on and on. All in all, in these uh, 10 organisations, there's been close to about £30 billion pounds worth of fines being paid, which is just a staggering amount of money. You know, I think the thing that I kind of come to on this is if you can afford to pay a nearly £9 billion pound fine, you're probably making too much money.
5: And the business case for getting that sorted is probably worth looking into RegTech yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. for
4: if you look at some of the larger finds and I, again i these are the things that i'm not supposed to really get into particularly with the other institutions involved when you look at some of those things these are not things that RegTech would necessarily solve no not at all I right like an, unless you sort of
3: completely put robots in charge
5: of so everything that human
4: was greed is not something that RegTech will solve. Indeed,
5: In some cases, yes, and in some cases, no. I think there's nuance because when it's just getting KYC AML wrong, as we've seen in some cases, then that's the kind of stuff that RegTech can help with. When it, to your point, when it is the greed stuff, then, yeah, it's right. a little harder.
4: Right, but if you, that's what I mean. If you look at, at, at some of the larger finds... Mm-hmm. It's not. Oops, I made a mistake on the KYC. It wasn't that. That wasn't the reason for the fine. It was like, uh, let
3: me see Are if I can. There were, there yeah, were some, there were some in the few
5: hundred millions though for for that. Yeah, sort no. But of stuff. if you
4: look at the yeah. Yeah. truly billion dollar ones, it was uh, sort of. It it was it was it was. Culture. Yeah, they were they were going after culture and behavior and not after breakdown in basic compliance processes,
3: right? But it's it's interesting that they've been spending about a billion pounds a year on regulatory processes but spending nearly 30 billion on fines you know there's got to be a a sort of a preventative measure stops the leakage to a certain degree in terms of some of those things
4: but you could make the same claim around uh, rogue trading right it's true do you just
3: continually fix the problem rather than you know it's kind of addressing the the symptoms rather than the disease to a certain degree right so do we do we address the the disease which is like you say the the big pieces are coming out because actually it's a uh, um you know it's people sort of fudging the system and actually potentially being uh, incentivized in completely the wrong way to get the wrong outcome
4: so do we fix that well but but if you look at regulation that the fact that we have now sort of clawback on bonuses and you have certain activities that are uh not civil in nature now but they're penal and, and particularly in, in, in compliance you can go to jail for making the wrong decision I think that effectively regulation is is trying to curve and control certain uh, behaviors right
5: personal liability that coming yeah. back I mean it's genuinely like if you're in that spot inside a bank that's that's a, a scary place to be but also it does create different incentives
4: and, and it creates a, a huge asymmetry for decision making right because now you can. You'll never get fired for saying no, but you might go to jail for saying yes. Mm-hmm. So innovation got harder. Yeah. Data. Uh, last up, then we've
0: got a a great bit of research from the GSMA here. Uh, Simon, we now got five billion unique mobile subscribers.
5: Yeah, this is a story on uh, VentureBeat.com, uh, and five billion unique mobile subscribers is a phenomenal number. I mean, think about the size of that platform. There is pretty much no technology in history that got anywhere near uh, that level of global penetration uh, by the end of the decade uh, the GSMA which is uh, the organization of, of mobile telecom operators estimates that there'll be 5.7 billion unique mobile phone subscribers which compared to a global population of nearing 8 billion is pretty good penetration and to me, it just says that, like, if you're gonna do anything, target mobile uh, only as a, as a platform because it's it's just huge. And you know, we've been saying mobile's huge for a number of years, but the raw numbers in this are absolutely phenomenal. But what I like in this report is it says um, subscriber growth opportunities in the coming years are going to be focused on connecting mainly rural, mainly low-income populations. And operators are developing a range of sustainable uh, solutions to develop affordable connectivity to those underserved communities. That says growth is in those areas for mobile, but it also says growth for Every other industry that sits on top of mobile is coming in those areas. So if I'm in product development, if I'm in innovation anywhere, I'm thinking, what do I build for that customer? And how do I change the business
4: models, the economics based on that platform? I think this is a hugely interesting report. I think we'll become a huge enabler of um, financial inclusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're talking about Mexico just now, right? Yeah. And, and um, we're doing some interesting stuff uh, in Mexico that hopefully I'll get to come back soon and talk about. Um, but when you look at the numbers, um, Mexico has 120 million people. Um, about 35 million are banked, so effectively a quarter of the population uh, or so, and there are 75 million uh, mobile lines.
2: I think what's interesting, specifically around Mexico as well, is the 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 channel that has the most. I think I'm correct in saying this, and you'll probably you'll be able to correct me if I'm wrong. But the channel that has the most effective account openings. Is the largest retail out there, which is Oxo, because they have a a, a partnership, a banking partnership with uh, Banamex, I think it is, and um and and you can go in, it's like a Seven Eleven, and you can go in and you can open an account then and there in in store, and that kind of accessibility is pretty unprecedented in the in the, in the developing world, and you know you know from conversations that we've had with a number of a number of banks is that getting you know getting more people banked is you know. If it's not the first, it's definitely the second priority on their on their on their list. It, but it is more common than than not. It is the number one number one priority. The,
5: the transformation to people's lives and the the actual impact of financial inclusion is the single biggest uh, improvement on people's lives after basic water and basic sanitation and shelter. And from as, as a planet, we're nearly there on those problems. We we we're pretty good at them, but we haven't really figured out financial inclusion and the uplift in economies once you do figure out financial inclusion and the impact on people's lives is phenomenal so there's a good purpose here but also it is a giant opportunity and i would highly recommend checking out the gsma intelligence report if you're trying to make a business case for for geographic expansion somewhere in a product team i
3: I think there's there's got to be a definite correlation between the speed of connectivity for mobile devices in a country to the um the ability to actually sort of manage your your finances effectively you know, what I mean, it's like it's almost like uh, mobile connectivity is actually and, and the, you know, the mobile phones are interesting. But the the, the speeds in which you can actually access services has, has to be the, the driving force of, of banking. The, from the from a
4: financial perspective, actually, what is, I think, the biggest driver and we're not there yet. But I think we, I mean, financial services, uh, but we will be in the next three, five years is that once you have a mobile Let's say you have, you know, you are you have a little business or or and by little business is you're selling bread in a corner, right? I'm not saying you have like a little shop where, like very basic stuff. Um, You have no financial information, no financial. You are not creating any financial data whatsoever. Once you have a phone, you start creating some information Mm -hmm. on just the phone calls and how you, you know, pay for your bill or or just put money on your phone. Then when you start using your phone to receive payments and, and make payments, you start creating more financial information. So just that data alone and, yeah. and, and and using that data to give you a credit score and enable you to get a productive loan, you a know, loan that will help your business grow, yeah. even if you're buying a bicycle to take your bread to the next town over, that's huge, right? So, yeah. so it's just the ability to have this little thing create data that then banks can use to score you is, is to me the biggest sort of driver for for uh, smartphone adoption and, yeah. and why to a certain extent you know banks should find a way to subsidize the distribution of, of uh, cheap accessible smartphones.
3: It, it, it seems to me though that it's it like I say it, it feels like we're on the cusp of that now though. So actually so we were over in uh, myself and Chris Skinner we're over in Rwanda uh, about six weeks ago um, and actually the. The advertisements for mobile banking looked like the advertisements for mobile banking in the UK in like 2009, 2010, you know, because connectivity is actually getting to the point where the the feature phone is being surpassed. And actually the, the types and the range of services and the amount of data that can be exchanged in... Uh, for the value of the capability that's actually being brought to the customer is, is really sort of rocketing up. So I, I actually think, um, you know, it's really, really exciting because actually it is it's the democratization of data, it's the democratization of financial services. And actually, arguably, in, in India and Africa and, you know, rural China, you know, it's about to go stratospheric because these are not small places with small, small amounts of people. So, you know, as this amps up and as the amount of people that are really having that value exchange uh, on a day-to-day basis for um, either more of an identity or more of a footprint for a uh, an ability to have a credit score, um, you know, financial services is really about to get um, you know the next couple of billion people coming into the market.
5: And this is very different to developed economies where you have a saturated markets with yes. low interest rates, with uh, Le- legacy
3: with, bunch of technology, with that legacy one,
5: technologies. Yeah. Here's an opportunity to enter new markets with customers that haven't had it before, that have very basic needs that are easy to serve at different levels of, of profitability. If you with brand new infrastructure. So wrapping up, then I I, I just have to say I think I think.
0: One of the big points is that the mobile is the thing. A lot of people still say, well, what's going next after mobile? Right. We ain't even seen we haven't seen nothing yet from mobile. It's like 10 years in the smartphone, probably 20 years as a as a technology. It's the only device that a lot of people will access the web, access everything. And if you're not ready for that or you're really not focused on that, then game over so fascinating end uh, that brings us to the end of the news this week you can catch all the links to the news story we've talked through this week on the show notes before we wrap up you can also find out more from our guests on Twitter Mariano is belly mad and Jamie is JC the original I made that when I was, I think, 16. So
2: please, please don't. It's bad, (laughs) isn't it? It's like, it's it's still linked to my really corny Hotmail account. Wow. My my
0: username is linked to my Hotmail account. It was from a little while longer ago than
2: yours, but I guess it. But uh,
0: (laughs) anywhere else that our listeners can find out what you guys are up to at the moment?
2: Yeah, they can, uh, they can follow uh, Bud, which is this underscore is underscore Bud. Um, and they can head to thisisbud.com, uh, sign up to the newsletter. We've got some pretty exciting announcements coming up after, a, uh, after, after some some pretty serious product innovation that, that's gone on for the last three months. So sign up.
4: And we'll be at uh, Money 2020 next week and CB Insights uh, in New York. So we can be in two places at the same time. That's how amazing we are. And hopefully uh, we'll get to announce a few very cool things that uh, we've been working on. Big news
3: coming.
2: Yeah, we'll look yeah. forward to
4: having you back to uh, talk more about that, Mariana. i look forward I'll
0: to be- getting invited to the private press meetings.
2: The- <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, hey, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> I, sh- I should also say, I should also say uh, otherwise Ed would, kill, Ed would kill me. Ed uh, Maslovakis, Bud CEO, is talking at Money 2020. So if, if you are there Monday morning, um, and you're not watching the live FinTech Insider recording, which I actually think is happening at the same time. Um, you can head on down and you know and, which is the better one See to watch. him, him. I think it's uh, Geller and uh, Ricky Knox are, are are in conversation. So so head on down to that.
5: Cool,
0: great stuff. Thank you. If you like what you've heard this week, subscribe to our podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes. It's how we know you like what we're doing. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. For once, thanks a lot.
5: Thank you. Cheers. Bye. 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 bye.